Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. I've been working on this study since June, and so I'm really excited to finally be able to share it with you all. Colossians 3. I think I titled my message, How to Live Like You Are Fully Alive. How to Live Like You're Fully Alive. So let me get myself turned to it as well. So I want to start out and talk a little bit about my outfit. Y'all know I like to talk about my clothing. This outfit came from Steinmart. You see, I look like the classic middle-aged woman with the flashy clothes and jewelry bigger than what she really needs. The big jewelry, matching earrings, flashy clothing, Steinmart. The very sad news is Steinmart is bankrupt. They are going out of business. Now, if you know me, I am not a spontaneous person. Am I college roommate that's known me for 32 years. Am I spontaneous? No. I am a planner, long-range planner, which is why I could work on a message since June, right? But when my husband texted me that Steinmart was going out of business, guess where I was the next day? I was in Steinmart. All the plans were out the window. I was there with every other middle-aged and older woman in Wilmington. Shopping because a woman does not want to miss a going out of business sale, does she? No, I was there. I bought the shirt and then the jewelry that costs more than the shirt because that's what a middle-aged woman does when their store is going bankrupt. Bankrupt. Now, what does that have to do with Colossians 3? What does that have to do with us? Well, the Word of God that we're going to look at in Colossians 3 tells you who you are, and it tells us that we died, and we were buried, and we were resurrected, and we're even going to be glorified. And the reason we need to know that is not just to fill our minds with theology, but so that our walk will change. What that means is that old person is bankrupt. Once Steinmark closes their doors for good, they're not opening again. They're closed for good. They're not coming back. It is like a final going out of business sale. Not like those stores that are perennially going out of business, but they're really going out of business. Bankrupt. And in the same way, that old person of who we are, our old self, is bankrupt. So let's start with Colossians 3, verse 1. We're going to lay a foundation, and you're going to clearly see how the theology, our identity, should change the way we live. I think we're going to start with verses 1 through 5. Yeah. It says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, when it says therefore, it means because of all the things I just said. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead, as dead. So let's talk about this, the key phrases. You have been raised up with Christ. He kind of gets it a little, he, he doesn't go in chronological order. But verse 1 says you have been raised up with Christ. Verse 3 says you have died. And verse 3 says you have been buried. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse, the end of, second half of verse 3 says your life is hidden. And then verse 4 says when Christ is revealed, 
you will be revealed with him in glory. Now, what this is, it's, it's our identity. It's our identity. It's who we are in Christ. And I will confess, it's kind of hard to imagine that I'm dead and I'm buried and that I'm going to be glorified. But some things we have to receive by faith, right? We have to receive them by faith even if our finite little brains can't comprehend it. So what does this mean that, that we've died? If you'll turn with me to Romans 6. And Pastor Tom was starting to hit on this a little bit. Romans 6, 7, and 8 talks about how our old man is gone and how we learn to walk by the Spirit. Romans 6, and we'll start with verse 3. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried. We have been buried We have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We're going to see that contrast today between death and life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So let's talk about our death. It says our old self was crucified with him, verse 6. Verse 8 says we died with Christ. Verse 4 says we have been buried. So there's a progression, death, burial, and then on the third day we know Jesus was resurrected. Verse 5b says we shall also be, in the context there is united with him in the likeness of resurrection, Verse 4, we will walk in the newness of life. Verse 8, we shall live with him. This is all about us and Jesus. Now, why was Paul writing to them all these things about Jesus? Well, the Colossians mixed up a lot of things. They mixed up their Judaism, their ritualism, their legalism, all of their rules. They mixed up paganism idolatry and worship of angels and astrology. And they mix up Jesus with that all too. But their Jesus wasn't the Jesus seated on the throne. It was a dethroned Jesus that was just part of the mix. And he's trying to instruct them about who Jesus really is and what Jesus has really done. Not just to help their theology, but to change their walk. Because when you know who Jesus is, you don't walk the same. I don't walk the same way I used to. Because I know who Jesus is. I know who Jesus is. I may wear flashy jewelry, but I know who my Jesus is. I know him. I know that I have been raised with Christ. I have been raised. I am not that same woman I used to be. For Colossians 3, 1 says, if you have been raised with Christ, and I'm taking Greek right now, so I actually know what this word means. It's soon a gero. It means raised up together with. Not that Jesus was raised, and then later on, I was raised, but we were raised up together, which blows my mind. But I have been raised up together with Christ. Together. We were raised up. In verse 3, Colossians 3, this is what I had to practice this morning. Pastor Tom says, how are you? It's like, well, I'm practicing what I'm going to preach. I'm practicing right now in this moment what I'm going to preach. Because for some reason I walked into the door 
and my heart just started racing, and I was, I've had a few hot flashes this morning. Not just one, not just two, but a few hot flashes. I was not my best self when I walked in. But Colossians 3, it says, for you have died, hallelujah, and your life is hidden, hidden in Christ, and not just in Christ, but in Christ with God. There's emphasis there. When the writer says something two different ways, it's emphasis. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And this, um, this Greek word for hidden, the prefix is crypto. It's like cryptography or cryptocurrency. What it means is that it's hidden or obscured or kept secret. And my favorite was it's concealed. It's covered over. When something's concealed, it's covered over. And this is a good concealing. It means safety. It means security. Because what it means is that our lives, just as we, as Mark sang together, that God was holding on to us, our lives are covered over and hidden in the palm of his hands. Now, we feel exposed Sometimes with everything that's going on in the world, with germs, with politics, with violence, with the economy, and then our own families and everything else, we can feel so exposed. But Scripture says our lives, our very lives are hidden in Christ with God. In Christ with God, we are safe and we're secure even when the, the, the storms rage around us. And that's what I had to practice this morning. I'm hidden. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm hidden. One thing I kept reminding myself of, my, my best, one of my best friends, Laurie, is, has been staying with me this weekend. And because I've been so busy, I didn't do much cleaning before she came, and I just had to say, she'll love me anyway. And I didn't communicate with her much this week, and I just had to say, she'll love me anyway. And then last night, instead of spending time with her, we rescued a dog that was wandering in the road. We ended up at animal control at 9 o'clock last night, which is why I'm missing some of my props, because I was on an errand. And so I abandoned her, and I said, she'll love me anyway. And then this morning, I even drove off without telling her goodbye. And I said, she'll love me anyway. And when your life is hidden in Christ with God, no matter what you do, he'll love you anyway. No matter, I just, God just reminded me, no matter what I did on this stage today, whether I tripped and fell or totally blew it or went off the, the rails, he would love me anyway. And when you know your life is hidden in Christ with God, you can just go for it all. Like, I'm going for it. Because he's going to love you anyway. Hidden. Your life is covered. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, Psalm 91, verse 1, shall abide. Where? In the shadow. I prayed this morning in my husband's shadow. We abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You've died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. But the good news is we're also alive. We're dead but alive. One of your cross-references, Ephesians 2, um, starting with verse 4. And all we're taking from verse 4 is the but God. But God, verse 5. Even when we were dead and our transgressions made us alive together. There it is. Together with Christ again made us alive together with Christ. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. So we died. We were raised up together with him and now we're seated with him in heavenly places. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Jesus Christ now lives in me. 
So we're dead and alive at the same time. And then the Apostle Paul thinks it's also important for us to know that we will be glorified. Now, I've not spent a lot of time worrying about, well, am I going to be glorified or not? But this is the good news. We will also be glorified. Colossians 3, verse 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, we will also be revealed with him in glory. It just blows my mind that the God who created everything wants to share his glory with people like us. He wants to share his glory. He is not a greedy God, but he wants to give us those things we don't deserve because all we really deserve is death. But he gives us life. And then he seats us with him in heavenly places. He will glorify us. I don't really know what that looks like, but I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it. So Jesus did these things first. He died. He was raised. He was glorified. And somehow at the same time, we did it with him. And now we're seated with him. If we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we've done those steps with him. And we're seated with him. Right now, we're both on the earth and in heaven al mismo tiempo, at the same time. At the same time. Because the kingdom of God is an already and a not yet. I'm already seated in heaven, but I'm not quite there yet. It's an already, and it's a not yet. That is what the kingdom of God is like. That's why you see the promises in the word, and, and you're not seeing them come to pass. But with God, there's, there's no spatial separation and no time separation. It is an already and a not yet. I'm preaching with you, and I'm seated with Jesus at the same time. So the question is, how, how does this knowledge of who we are affect how we walk? So what? So what? What difference does this make? What difference does it make? Well, what it means is that when we're in Christ and when we come to comprehend what he really did for us, when we come to accept the grace that he has that covers all of our sins and mistakes, when we come to know God as a father who loves us like my friend Laurie does, no matter what we do, then we walk differently. We walk with a confidence that we're fully loved. We don't want to do those things that displease our father. And even when we do them anyway, we accept his forgiveness. We don't walk the same way. My best friend knew me before Jesus, and I look a lot different now. My walk is a lot different now. Because through those 30 years, I've let him, here's a big word for you, sanctify me. What does that mean? It's through the struggles and trials of life. It's through forgiving people that have hurt me. It's through spending time in my pink Bible it's through praying, it's through, I wanted to say fasting, not as much fasting nearly as there should be. <laughs> so I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Some fasting, fasting my time, there we go. It's through fasting my time to spend reading my pink Bible and getting to know him. The main thing that sanctifying means, it means to be made like Jesus. And for me, it's happened through coming to know who God is and who he says I am. It's through getting to know who my father is that I learn who I am. And I remember um, a church we were in about 20 years ago. I just remember hugging the wall, watching everybody walk by at the end of the church service because I didn't fit in. I never saw myself speaking to a group of people because I was the wall hugger, so rejected so hurt, so broken. But over time, day by day, step by step, as I've come to know who my father is and therefore who I am, he's changed me. 
And you may be in that same place where you're, you're just thinking, well, I've got so far to go. And I'm here today to tell you that my goal today is not to get you from point A to point Z. Because with God, he's patient. I'd, I'd love to get you from A to B. And then next week from B to C. And then the next week from C to D. And then 30 years later, you might be speaking in front of a group of people and saying, look what Jesus did in my life. It's not all from A to Z in the same moment. But it's day to day, step by step, moment with Jesus by moment with Jesus. Encouragement by encouragement, sermon by sermon, worship by worship. He changes us. He changes us. I wanted uh, to show you a prop that I brought from my garden. Pastor Tom almost threw it out. He thought it was trash. And it looks like trash. These are zinnia seeds. And they were blooming in my garden many months ago. They were beautiful, colorful. But then they had to die if you want more zinnias the next year. You can go and cut the blooms off when they start to look ugly. But if you let them die, they produce seeds. If you take this home and sprinkle it in your soil, next year you'll have seeds. And it just goes to prove that when we die, when we let our flesh die, when we die to our desires, when we die that slow and painful death of saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? When we die that slow and painful death of saying, not my will, but yours be done. When we die that slow and painful death of saying, Jesus, I really want to go work in my garden, but I'm going to spend a few minutes with you first. That's when life comes forth. We have to die. We have to be dead. And so when I was out in the garden um, getting the trash, the trash, the zinnia trash, I would take my shears and I would cut those dead ends off. I would cut them off and throw them in the soil because we have to die first. And then eventually, after you wait the long, cold winter, in the spring, new life comes forth. You've died. Your life is hidden in Christ with God. And you can live differently the rest of Colossians goes on and gives you a lot of ways that it explains how you can live. One thing that I really want to focus on is how to live with a different mindset, because this is also how I have practiced what I'm preaching. If you'll look back, amen, Miss Addie, thank you. If you'll look back at Colossians 3.1, Miss Addie's awake. We know it. Colossians 3.1, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above. And then he explains what's above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. So the way I like to study my Bible is, well, he said above and above and then a contrast, not on earth. Well, what are the things above? How do you find that out? Well, you look through your Bible and you find descriptions of what's above. There are things going on in the heavenly realm right now that we can't see. That's the above. So I want to, um, I don't have time to read all of it, but I want to summarize for you from Revelation chapter 4, which describes the throne room of God and what's going on. I want to just explain to you what I call the five W's in an H. Quick summary of what's going on above. So the who, God. What's going on? And this should be on your handout. Um, he's being worshipped. 
Well, in this scene, where is he? We know he lives in us. But in this scene in Revelation, where is he? He's seated on his throne. And he's in heaven. On his throne in heaven. Well, the when, when is this going on? It's forever. It's forever. He's the one who was and is and is to come. So how is he being worshipped? Well, he's being called holy, and he's being called worthy. And the elders, just like we sang, are casting their crowns before him. He's being, glo- being, being given glory and honor and power. But what I love is when I started to think of the, well, why? Well, they tell us. They say, because he is the one who was and is and is to come. And because by his hands, all things were created. And he holds it together. He upholds it. This is what's happening above. Keep seeking the things above. Set your mind on things above. And when you really look at it, well, what's the above? It's God. It's God who is worthy of our worship. That's what's going on. So how do we live with our mindset on things above? Well, for me, the past few weeks, I've just joined in with the worship. I've joined in with the refrain that they were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I've cast my crowns before him. Why? Because he made everything. And by his hands, he holds it together. If that's a good enough reason for them to worship, it's good enough for me. And so I've practiced that. I have been trying to practice this. It's easy to look at the news. It's easy to tune out and watch Netflix. It's easy to shop on Amazon like my best friend and I've tried to drown our pain in, some window shopping on Amazon. It's easy to eat chocolate. It's easy to do all kinds of things. It's harder to just pull back and say, God, I'm just going to join in with the songs of heaven right now and declare you're holy. Declare who you are. He says, I am. And that's why they said, holy, you are. You are the one who was, who is, who is to come. It's who he is. We're to fix our minds on that. And it does change the way we look at everything. It doesn't matter in eternity that Steinmark's out of business. It doesn't matter that Pastor Willie hurt my feelings in Costa Rica and I cried. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the person said about me on social media. When you... (laughs) We're good. We're good. We are all good. But it gives us a heavenly perspective when we set our minds on the things above. Fix our minds. Keep seeking. Diligently pursue. He means something. This is not just theology. He's telling you how to act because of who you are in Christ. First he said, this is who you are. And then he says, this is how to act. That's the way theology goes. There's the indicative, who you are. And then as a result, live this way. We want to change the way we live because we know who we are in Christ. Amen? I love that. We're to be heavenly-minded and do earthly good. But we are to be heavenly-minded. We are to be heavenly-minded. Paul wrote it. Set your mind on things above. He wrote it. We're commanded to keep seeking these things. Amen. It's like that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face, and the things of earth grow strangely dim, and the light of his glory and grace. When we're keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, then the winds and the waves, they're just not as loud or as powerful, because we're grounded, we're hidden, we know who we are and who our daddy is. On your handout is also listed Romans 8, 34. 
This is another great thing that's going on above. It says, Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. In heaven, that's another thing that's going on is Jesus is praying for you. I love that. Hallelujah. Right now in heaven, there's an intercessor for you that on your bad days, which may be a lot of days, you have an intercessor who's he's cheering you on, who's praying for you, who's battling for you, who wants to see you victorious, who wants to see you live like you're fully alive, who wants to see you Walk away from those old things. Amen. So he goes on and tells them the things to do. And I called it the kindness list. I'm just going to summarize. Verse 12, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And forgiving one another. That's the hard part. Forgiving one another. Just as the Lord forgave you, you should forgive them. This should be on your handout. Verse 14, he says, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then let the word of Christ, verse 16, richly dwell in you. Now, I know I'm going through those things pretty quickly, but basically what this all comes down to is how to deal with people, how to deal with people, because y'all know that people are like you. They're imperfect. (laughs) They say things that can be hurtful. We put our feet in our mouths. People are people. We have political people. We have jealous people. We have people that just aren't very mature yet and don't know what you should say and what you shouldn't say. We have people that want more of you than what you can give. We have people that put you down. I pray that you're like me and you have some people that lift you up as well. But he tells us we can't be bitter and we have to forgive. And I love that Pastor Tom teaches us According to Matthew 18, when someone offends you, you go to them. When Pastor Willie and I had our discussion in Costa Rica, I went to him, and I had to say, you better stop, right? Nilsa was there. It's like, no, that's enough. But we worked it out. We worked it out. Uh, This past week, my, my friend Pat Bradford, who's here today, I had to call her up, and we're traveling together in a few weeks, and she loves to tease me. And somehow when you're 410, everybody just loves to tease you. Maybe you're just small and little, and they love to tease you. And so she was teasing me a couple weeks ago, and it hurt my feelings because I may appear to be strong and confident, but my little feelings get hurt. And she was teasing me, and my feelings got hurt. And I know we're traveling together to Voice of the Apostles, so I knew I had to just clear the air. And so one thing I've learned is with, with words, there's always the intent, and then there's the impact. The impact of her words was, I was hurt. I felt like I wasn't enough for her, and I was doing my very best. And so I've learned to ask her, well, what did you mean? When you said this to me, what did you mean? Because I felt this way. But what did you really mean? And she's like, oh, I was just teasing you. I was just teasing you. And the impact was I was hurt. But when we cleared the air, well, she was just teasing me. And so I've learned to go to people when they hurt me. You know, sometimes you have to figure out the threshold. Is You know, after four or five days, if you haven't worked through it, You feel like it might help to clear the air, you go to them. Some things you can overlook. You know, Scripture says, what is it? There is uh, something to overlook a matter. I think it's in Proverbs. Some things you can just overlook. But sometimes you have to go to the person and work it out. And the intent, her intention was far different from the impact. And we all have what I call filters. Filters. I have a filter that says I'm not enough. And so 
comments that come my way hit me on that I'm not enough filter. And it's very easy for me to get hurt if I feel like you think I'm not enough when I'm doing my very best. And so I've learned to go to people and clear the air. And that's, I told her, she said, well, I'm going to quit teasing you. And I said, no. I said, you be you and I'll be me. And by God's grace, I'll be a woman of maturity. And if my feelings get hurt again, I'll come to you and we'll work it out. Forgiving one another, bearing with one another, putting up. That means putting up with Pastor Willie, putting up with one another. I love Pastor Willie. He loves to joke with me. I love you, Pastor Willie. We both cried. It crushed him that he hurt me. Yeah, there you go. So I want to cover how to live like you're dead. So he tells us how to set our mind on the things above. He tells us how to live and love and forgive. And then he tells us the things not to do. So I I can't omit that. So let's look at Colossians, again, chapter 3, verse 5. So he starts with, therefore... Because you've died with Christ, because you've been raised with Christ, because of who you are in Christ, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Verse 7 And in them you also once walked. This is where he's encouraging them. He's saying you once walked in these things. When you were living with them, in them. Verse 8, but now you also put them also aside. And he gives them another list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Verse 9, Do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed. How? To a true knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him. So if you haven't caught on yet, you're dead. Say to yourself, I'm dead. I'm dead. That prideful, selfish, self-centered self. You're dead. I'm dead. Tell your neighbor, I'm dead. I'm dead. Romans 6, verses 6 and 7. We've looked at this, but I want to go back. Romans 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. He's dead, right? He was crucified with him. In order that our body of sin might be done away with. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Hallelujah. When you're dead, you're freed from sin. It's a good thing to be dead because you're freed from sin. So he says our old self was crucified. The body of sin is done away with. We're not slaves and we're freed. Now, Pastor Tom loves this word in the Greek that means done away with. It's the Greek word katargeo. It is similar to what I was talking about before with Steinmark. There is a spiritual reason that I talked about Steinmark going out of business. Because this word, katargeo, should be on your handout, means to make entirely idle, to make useless, to abolish, cease, destroy, do away with, make of no effect, To put away, put down, to vanish away, to make void. And my favorite part of the definition, it means to deprive of force, influence, or power. When your old self 
is done away with, when your body of sin is done away with, it no longer can influence you. It no longer has power over you. It no longer can rule the way that you live. It's inactive and it's unemployed. It is put out of business, bankrupt, just like Sanmart, just like Sanmart. Now, so many times we tell each other what we shouldn't do. But I'm going to tell you, according to these scriptures, what you should do. It says, don't live lives of immorality. What I want to tell you to do is walk in holiness. And if you don't know what it means, seek the one that's holy, and he will show you what it means. Now, for, for each of us, it's a little different. We all have our areas of temptation and where we struggle, and your walk of holiness may look a little different than mine. There are things I can't watch on Netflix that you might be able to. You might be able to walk into a bar and minister to people where someone else can't. Your walk of holiness is between you and the Holy One. And if you're listening to him, he'll tell you. He'll say, this is the way. Walk in it. He'll show you how to walk. I've failed in the past by telling people how to be holy. (laughs) And I've learned, hallelujah, I'm maturing That's not my job. That's the Holy One's job. His name is Holy Spirit. He is not me. He will speak to you. If I stand here and tell you how to be holy, that's called legalism. Now, if you come to me and say, I'm struggling with this, I can give you counsel. But it's the Holy One. It's the Holy One that's going to say, for you, this is exactly what it means. And you know what it means. I'm speaking to you right now. You know what it means to walk holy for you, how you walk like the Holy One. He says, don't be greedy. What does that mean? What's the opposite? Be generous. Be generous. If you have the opportunity to pay for dinner, say, give me the check. (laughs) Be generous. Give. That means not only giving of your money, but of your time and your talents, your resources, It says, put on love, the opposite of being critical and slandering and gossiping is putting on love. Now, for me, if you've ever heard of the Enneagram system of personality types, raise your hand. Anybody heard of the Enneagram? I'm a type one. That means I'm a perfectionist. Any other perfectionist out there? I'm a perfectionist. I'm a reformer. It means God put me on this earth to make it cleaner and neater and more efficient. (laughs) Cleaner, neater, more efficient. I travel with two toothbrushes. One to brush my teeth and the other one to clean wherever place I'm going, especially if I'm going to an Airbnb or maybe to Costa Rica. I spent 10 minutes cleaning all the mildew off the grout in our shower. It was the happiest 10 minutes of the trip. I mean, it was just amazing. I'm just doing my part. I'm just doing my part. Yeah, I told Pastor Willie, that's what got him in trouble. Yes, but God put me on this earth to make it a better place. Now, that means I've got my idea of what I think the better place is. And when you're called to be a leader especially, you can walk into a meeting and you can think, well, they should be doing this this way. And if I were the leader, I would do this this way. And that's wrong. And I've walked into this church and thought that way because I'm a prideful, self-centered human being. But I have learned how to catch myself. And Holy Spirit has said, you ain't the leader. (laughs) If you were the leader, you'd be sitting in that chair. And I say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm not. But he'll say, you can pray for God to change something if it needs to be changed. You can offer to help to serve in an area where you think it's lacking. But my job isn't to walk into a meeting or to a place or to a home anywhere and to just go down my list in my brain of everything that should be fixed. Because I'm not the leader. Yeah, I'm not the leader. I'm to give grace. So I've learned how, and I'm still learning. There's the truth. I'm still learning 
how to tell that old person to stay dead, not to re-employ, not to say, we're open for business again. Let me just put you all in your place because I'm on the throne. No, I've learned, I am learning, that that old Lisa that has to be right, that thinks she knows everything, that prideful Lisa who thinks she's on the throne, she's out of business. So, And everybody says, hallelujah, (laughs) hallelujah. I don't travel with the cleaning toothbrush in my purse. It's just in my luggage when I'm going out of town. So don't think I'm coming to your house with my toothbrush. Might be fun. Hallelujah. And praise God as the years have gone on and he set me free. Y'all need to come to my house with a cleaning toothbrush because there's a lot of stuff to be cleaned. Oh, thank you, Katie. So I want to close with an analogy for you. So I homeschooled my children, and one of our favorite things to do every year was to get the monarch caterpillars and watch their metamorphosis into butterflies. And we would bring in their plant that they like to eat, and we would watch them eat, and we would watch them poop for days on end. And after a couple of weeks of that, they would attach themselves onto the roof of their container They would hang in a J position, and that caterpillar would begin to change. It would begin to spin a chrysalis, and then the waiting began. And we watched, and we waited, and we watched, and waited, and it looked like nothing was happening. But eventually, you'd see a little shaking, and then that chrysalis would break open, and that butterfly would emerge that ugly, messy, stinky caterpillar would emerge and it would let its wings dry. We would watch the liquid drop from its wings. And then we would take it outside and we would hold it. And they're actually kind of tickly when they're walking on you. And eventually when it was strong enough, it would take off. And we would watch them fly away. We did this for so many years. And let me tell you something about that caterpillar. It changed into the butterfly. And when it became a butterfly, it could never go back to being a caterpillar. It could never be a caterpillar again because that caterpillar was dead. He was gone. He was out of business. New life had come forth. And it's the same thing with you because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man, and I like to add, or woman, is in Christ, He's a new creation. The old things have passed away and become all things. Everything has been made new. You were once a sinner, but that person's dead. That nature is dead. There are times it likes to rear its ugly head, and it's like that old video game, um, Whack-A-Mole, where it would pop up and you'd whack it down and it'd pop up somewhere else and you'd whack it down. That's what the Christian life is. It tries to rear its ugly head and you say, no, I'm not going to be critical. You say, no, I'm not going to look at pornography. You say, no, I'm not going to cuss. You say, no, I'm not going to gossip. You say, no, I'm not going to be greedy. You say, no, I'm not going to be selfish. And over time, as you do it over and over and over again, will you start to look more like Jesus and less like you? But it's a process. But you can never go back to being that old person because they're dead. They're bankrupt. They're out of business. Now, some of you here today may be struggling with that old person rearing its ugly head. And I just want to give you hope that you're being made like Jesus every day. You're being made like Jesus every day. If you continue to struggle. We, I just want to tell you we're here to help. You can come and get prayer from our, min, from our ministry team. If, ministry team, if you'll come up and um, Mark and Jamie, do y'all have a last song? Yeah, you can come on up. I just want you to know that if you are continuing to struggle, we're here to help. We're here to pray with you. We're here to stand beside you, to listen to you confess, I'm struggling with this. Would you pray for me? Our church offers prayer ministry. If you need to come in and 
talk with the pastor and receive ministry and learn how to let go of some of those things that are holding you back. I just want you to know that no matter what you do, just like my friend Laurie, your daddy loves you. And he's watching, just like my children and I watched that caterpillar turn into the butterfly. Your daddy's watching you, and he's cheering you on. When it looks like you're never going to change, he's saying, I'm watching you. And he knows the end of the story. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows that your old self is dead. And that you're going to walk in life. He sees it, and he knows it. So let me pray. Father, I just thank you for the truth of your word that we're dead, that we've been buried, that we've been raised together with Jesus, that we've been made alive with Christ, that we're going to be glorified. Father, I pray that the truth of who we are in Christ would affect what we set our minds on. You tell us to set our minds on things above, to keep seeking the things above. God, you tell us how to walk, how to walk in kindness, to put on love, to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. God, you tell us the things not to do, not to be immoral, not to be greedy, not to lie. God, I thank you. I just thank you, Lord, that that day by day you're changing us. I just thank you for that grace for today and the change you're doing in our lives today. God, I thank you that today you're moving us from step A to B. And God, I thank you that you love us right there at step B. And you're going to love us all the way until the day that we meet Jesus face to face. And we're going to be just like him. I thank you for that day that's coming. But I thank you for the grace for where we are today. And for the hope that just like that caterpillar is changing every minute, every second, every hour, as we continue to seek you and to come to know you, that you're making us more like you every day. I just thank you for the grace for today, God. In Jesus' name, amen.